Ruth chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilon. They were Ephorites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went to the country of Moab and remained there, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. She was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpha and the name of the other Ruth. They lived there about 10 years and both Malon and Chilon died so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return to the country of Moab for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And then they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my room that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait until they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it is exceedingly better to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her, and she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you will die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Christmas and welcome to a different, unique McGregor podcast special. My name is Chloe Weimer and I'm the host of Talk Truth Podcast and I'm joined by Pastor Mark Bricker, who is the host of Here at Home and our lead pastor, Pastor Russell Howard. Yeah, who is the uh, occasional um, Beyond the Notes podcaster. Yeah. And I think you've been on every other podcast we've had. I think I have. I think I've guested on everything. Yes. Uh, no, I think I've made the rounds. Yeah. yeah. So, what did you guys think about Ruth chapter one, led by 
some kids from our children's ministry. That was awesome. That was really, really good. Yeah. I, you know, that's intimidating. There's a lot of words there. They, they did, did good. good. Yeah, they did very good. Yeah. yeah. Calamity. Well, so, also known I, as I, I think calamity. calamity. But if, 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 if little one who recorded that, if you're listening, um, you did better than I'd have done at your age. I, too. Yeah. Absolutely. Sure. I still struggle to read these yeah. big words. And the names? Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. But I'm really excited. Um, if you are looking at the title of this episode and you're wondering, why would we release a four-part episode on the book of Ruth during Christmas season? Well, if you know anything about the story of Ruth, then you may draw the right conclusions. But if you are unfamiliar with it, I challenge you to stay tuned until the end of part four, where you're going to hear the the end and the whole reason the why. The big reveal. Yeah. And, and, and here's a hint. Though early in the book, there is a mention of Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. That is not the most strategic Christmas connection in the book of Ruth. <laughs> it's true. Not by a long shot. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so we invite you to crank this podcast up, share it with your friends, and dive into the Bible with us. Um, and we're just going to hop right in here to Ruth chapter one. Let's talk about the context of what we just heard from our lovely kiddos. Is that important context? Context matters. Um, you know, to, to start way wide and zoom in, uh, we'll start with some external context. And there's just a couple of things. First, one of the things we like to know is we like to know the, the uh, author and occasion uh, around a book's being written. In, internally, we get a hint about the time period of the story. But externally, we really don't know much mm-hmm. about when the story was written or by whom. There's nothing in the text where an author claims any kind of authorship. And there's nothing um, specifically. Uh, there is there is Jewish tradition that Samuel wrote it, but there are some indications probably not. It it seems to tie to the United Kingdom in some ways. That is the the time of, of David Saul, uh, Saul David, David Solomon. Um, it's so and that looking back at the period of Judges is probably the best the best. Uh, time period thing. And then who the author is, we simply don't know. He's a good writer. He tells the story really, really well, and, and of course, the inspiration of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of, we're, we're, we're sitting in the United Kingdom looking back at the period of the judges, I rather much suspect. Right. I was actually just listening to an Ask Pastor John podcast the other day. It was a really old one, but he was talking about um, some Bible study tips about how to read historical books. Pastor John who? Piper, sorry. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> well, there's several Pastor John. Yeah, there's a lot of that's MacArthur. Very true. Yeah. That's very true. Iron Crawford. Yeah, John. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but he was talking about uh, just paying attention to the transition words and, and really at the end, you can kind of gather, there's a lot of things that are just foreshadowed. If, if it Really, if you took an English class, then you can read your Bible well. And mm-hmm. it's... I mean, that's not even, that's not even a... Uh, yes, Bible study is study, mm-hmm. and and uh, sometimes it's just it's just straight up reading comprehension. Yeah, what is what what's going on in this text? What's it actually say? Yeah. So okay, we are in the time of the judges, which everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. What does that What does that mean to you well, guys? We, Have you- we see this in the first six verses of? Ruth chapter one, we really get the the circumstance of what is the story is going to be all about, and we find out it's in the period of the judges, and we see Elimelech taking his family because there's a famine in the land, which no surprise as we've 
recently gone through the judges. Right. We saw that God's judgment, that cycle. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. Famine was not unheard of. Yeah. Exactly. So. With that, they make a decision, or Elimelech, the leader of that family, the husband, the father, makes the decision to take his family to go to try to find food, to leave Bethlehem. What's the irony? Uh, the irony there is Bethlehem means house of bread. So if there's, if uh, the, it was a huge agricultural center, if there's going to be food anywhere, it's going to be there first. Right. When the, when the famine recovery comes, it's going to start there. Right. And so they run away from the house of bread looking for food. Looking which for food. Just ironic. And they go to Moab, which probably was not a wise thing to do. And that's where I think we get this. They did what was right in their own eyes. Elimelech, leaving Bethlehem, essentially was doing what he thought was right in his own eyes, which characterized pretty much all of Israel at that time. Yeah. Doing what was right in their own eyes because things didn't go so well yeah. in Moab for them. Yeah. But what's so cool, though, is that God worked behind the scenes in that he oh, allowed him to do what was right in his own eyes. But God had a greater purpose even in Elimelech's not very wise decision. Yeah. Uh, I think that's always true. Um, mm -hmm. Just just kind of baked in to this. It's neat that we get a peek behind the curtain here because we get to see sort of the beginning, middle and end of how all that works out. Yeah. Uh, but it's a good reminder that that's just that's just how he is. This is this is sort of a a, a dramatization of a, some Romans eight twenty eight stuff a few centuries before Romans eight twenty eight actually gets penned. Mm -hmm. You know. Yep. It's very true. So the time, oh, we already did talk about the time period. I'm sorry, we're moving on to the content. So context, <laughs> you taught me, you taught me well, context, content, concern. Yes. We'll talk about the application yes. at the end. Music to my old teacher's ear. <laughs> but my, the content, my, my uh, the circumstances, like you said, there's, there's famine and there's fear, and it led to disobedience by moving into um, a people group that they are not supposed to be living with because they were supposed to in the book of judges drive them out of the land right. um but even more than that what happens is that elimelech's sons end up intermarrying with these moabite women right. which was that was really Strictly why prohibited. god wanted them moved out of the land because he had this this chosen people, right? And yeah, yeah. so intermarrying with these pagan nations is not... Right. And we always have to be careful, and, and, and Chloe, this may be more of a thing from the, from the boomer generation than, than anything that your generation would even consider or struggle with. Uh, these Old Testament prohibitions on intermarriage and even the, the, the mistake here that is made with intermarriage has nothing to do with ethnicity. Yeah. Right. The issue is not ethnicity. The issue is is God's people intermarrying mm -hmm. with those who are not God's people. And that's still that's still I mean, that's still a current event. Yep. Uh, we have uh, tragically still we have Christians who will allow themselves to become heart entangled with unbelievers. Um, and that's just a that's just a bad idea in all cases. If if two lost people were to get married and one of them gets saved, then there's even biblical direction for that. But a a a saved person knowingly marrying a lost person is just disobedience, and it's and it's a terrible mistake. And that's kind of what the uh, the boys here end up end up doing. They end up marrying these these women that are not a part of 
God's people, Israel. Mm -hmm. And I think, Chloe, their intent was to go there to find food, to survive for a little while until we can go back. But apparently, they got real comfortable there in Moab, mm -hmm. ultimately, with their sure. kids or marrying oh, you know, Moabite ladies. And so we know they're there for at least 10 years. Yeah. So it, I'm sure a famine had probably passed, and maybe another famine had come <laughs> and had passed. But they had gotten comfortable in Moab. And there's that irony of the promised land where God has has given them and yet now and that's true for us we can get real comfortable you know oh this, i'm just going to go over here and just try this for a minute and the next thing we know we're real comfortable in our sin mm -hmm. and i think that's where elimelech and his family ended up being as very comfortable being disobedient to god yeah, yeah they would never have told you on the front end that they were going to go to moab and move in there for a decade yeah, yeah. And, and they never would have and our, have our kids marry moabite yeah. ladies yeah yep yeah. and then when um when when elimelech's sons die and he dies. Yeah, he dies first, right? Yeah, yeah. he dies yeah. first. And then you see, we see Naomi's um, just despair. Like she is just so. I mean, that that is a lot to go through. Obviously, to be mm -hmm. left without without your anything. Husband, your two sons. Yeah. yeah, but you, we we really see her spiritual immaturity. You know, like just the way that she handles the situation, there's no hope that she has to lean on. Um, it's almost like she's forgotten who her God is or that he would be with her because she's been away from him for so long. When you don't, when you're not surrounded, this is another application, I guess, when you're not surrounded by the church. The biblical community. Yeah, yeah. then then what are you, how, how are you gonna get through those tough times? Yeah. You know? Yeah, because she does, she does the impression you get from her, her little monologue, uh, her her discourse between between verse six and um, you know down down through verse fifteen, you're right. It's it's dark. Yeah. I mean, she's like, well, I mean, it's 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 just it's just straight up Eeyore all the way through it. Yeah. And she gets word that there is there's food back in Bethlehem, and so. All right, this is my, I guess that was the glimmer of hope that she picked up on at this point was, I've lost my husband, I've lost my two sons, there's food back there, maybe they'll take care of me, maybe someone will have concern on me, because here I'm a foreigner in, in Moab, you know, who's gonna take care of, of a widow with no sons here in Moab? So her hope was to go back. So at least yeah. at that point, even in her disobedience, she did wanna go back. Maybe it's practical reasons again, but she was heading back. Some longing for home. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And when she does go back, then Ruth and Orpa want to go with her, seemingly. Her yeah. yeah. And she tells Orpa, well, she tells both of them, go home. And Orpa Stay. just yeah. pretty much is like, okay. Yeah. I mean, she disappears right off the stage. Right? We don't hear from her yeah, again no. No. at all. Nope. No. Yeah. Uh, but. Ruth replied, don't plead with me to abandon you or return and not follow you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me and do so severely if anything but death separates you and me. That is just like, that that is love and not romantic love. Yeah, we were teasing before we started recording. I was I was teasing with Chloe about um, uh, you, you get this quoted in a lot of weddings. Oh yeah, and uh, I just always kind of have a have a smile moment because I don't think either member of the wedding party means to make this profound a commitment to their mother-in-law. Mm -hmm. But but this is this is a mother-in-law commitment, not a spousal commitment. 
Yes, the words can work as a mm. spousal commitment. I'm not. I'm not trashing that. <laughs> it just makes me smile that this this marvelous declaration of love that really does sound very filial. It sounds. It sounds like something it's one pretty would spectacular. Say. Yeah, what she it says. really is. Yeah. It's just. It's just funny that in scripture it is framed not as a a spouse to a spouse, no. but as a a widowed daughter in law to a widowed mother in law. Yeah, and it makes you realize that. God can work in the craziest circumstances. Like there is absolutely <laughs> no hope in Moab. And obviously the family that Ruth married into, it's not like they're like the most spectacular Jews you've ever known right. leaning on so much faith, but God still used <laughs> yeah. them. These super duper duper imperfect people yeah. to, cause I mean, you don't make a commitment to your mother-in-law. I can't imagine their relationship had been like, Amazing when Naomi just she doesn't seem like she's that warm and fuzzy. Yeah, <laughs> even even the statement "Your God, My God," because Margaret, I think you said earlier she's been out of Israel for a decade. Yeah, and we don't we don't know anything, and that's a bad sign. We don't know anything about the state of Naomi's worshiping heart. Right. Yeah, you know what has Ruth seen of Naomi's uh, relationship to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that mm -hmm. she would say, "I will." I will reject the gods of the Moabites and align with with your God. There must have been something. something there. Yes, had to be um, worth worth that statement. Mm. Um, or she could have simply said, "I'm going with you," you know. And mm. and and she does. She says so much more than that. Yeah. yeah. So. And Naomi's response is. <laughs> Sorry, last not, place. Not completely encouraging. <laughs> no. No. She said no more. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> she literally stopped talking. Yeah, stopped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's 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 like it's like um, it's kind of a passive aggressive response. You know, you, you expect some uh, appreciative counter speech. You know, something. Wow, it, yeah. you love me that much. This is going to be great. I'm not going to be as lonely as I otherwise would have been. You expect something like that. Instead, you just get. She said no more. But yeah. why? If, I mean, if you think about like the Moabites, she probably wasn't, she's to her, she probably wouldn't have been like a token to bring home, you know? And, yeah. And when you're bringing a Moabite home to the Jews. Would have been a liability. Yeah. yeah well, then. yeah. And, 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 and her statement, when she gets back to, uh, to Bethlehem and, and there's kind of a little 90 day wonder buzz in town that, mm -hmm. that she's back, there are a couple of things that she says that are, that are just... Okay, she's not doing any better. Um, when she says, "Don't call me by my name. Don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me bitterness. Call me Mara." Mara. And then, and then she <laughs> she says, "You know, she says the Lord has dealt very bitterly with me, and I went away full, and I've I've come back empty." Um, pay pay no attention to the to the young Mo Moabite is following me around. Never uh, introduced her. Yeah, nothing, <laughs> nothing, nothing. It's um, you know. How, how about, hi, y'all, this is my awesome daughter-in-law who's here to learn the ways of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Nope, nope, none of that. Nothing. So, yeah, I'm not, you know, if you if you read the book of Ruth, you do not get a great impression of Naomi. Yeah. And honestly, the chapter's ahead, it doesn't get a lot better. No. Yeah. Not, not, not Naomi, anyway. No. Her response reminds me of when, if you've ever been with a friend that is crying or complaining a lot about how they don't have any friends, but you're with your friend. And that's just, that's just how I feel when I read it. But yeah, it's, it's kind of mean. It is neat to see how, how, how Ruth was an outsider and how ultimately we'll see that 
She doesn't stay an outsider per se. No. And the difference between Orpah and, and Ruth, Orpah chose to stay an outsider to God and stay where she was in Moab, whereas Ruth made the choice to go with Naomi and no longer was an outsider eventually. But maybe even in this confession here, no longer an outsider. I think we all have that choice. We're all born outsiders. We're all oh, born yeah. sinners. Yep. And not to read too much into this, but there is that 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 analogy there of seeing how Ruth has now made that decision. That was a big decision because it would have been so much easier for her to stay where she was, but she chose to go with Naomi, even though Naomi didn't seem to want her to go at all. She yeah. said, I'm going to go because I want your God. Yeah, yeah that, there has to have been a, a, a drawing and an attractiveness there way beyond just mom-in-law. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And the best part of it all is it leaves us with a little cliffhanger, which mm. we are going to close out with. It says, they arrived in Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Ah, uh, barley harvest. It's a big, uh, big thing in our next episode, isn't it? Yeah. So if you enjoyed this episode, give us a thumbs up or subscribe or share with a friend or do all the things that you're going to do on your listening platform that is that is going to help us out because we love this podcast and we hope that you do too and the more you interact with it uh, the farther it goes the more people that can hear it um, and stay tuned for the next episode we'll see you there This has been a McGregor podcast special hosted and directed by me, Chloe Weimer. Special guests were Pastor Russell Howard and Pastor Mark Bricker, executive producer and editor Christian Miller. The character readings were read by our narrator, Elora Bays, Naomi, Drea Rose, Ruth, Emma May, Boaz, Jake Hastings, and the elder, Asher Edwards. The set design was Trudy Evans, audio technician, Bill Steinbrecher, social media coordinator, Julia Weimer, director of McGregor Podcast, Jeff Eskridge. McGregor Podcast is a ministry of McGregor Baptist Church. For more information, head to mcgregorpodcast.com. Merry Christmas.